This is Season 3, Episode 3, Steve Rideout. This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, helping you become a better language learner by providing motivating weekly inspiration, as well as top tips and tricks from expert guests. And now, your host, Chris Broholm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actual Fluency Podcast. This is your host, Chris Broholm, as per usual. Episode 3 of the third season is underway, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to Mr. Steve Rideout about his website, Readlang, and we're going to be talking about how it is to be a freelance developer as a language learner and aspiring polyglot, and Steve is currently based in Spain, and we'll get into that much more in the interview in just a minute. But before that, I just have a, a few quick announcements. As, uh, as I like sometimes to take these few first minutes of the interview time to talk about. Um, the first announcement is the third season is full underway, and I'm so happy for the support you guys are giving me so far. I have put the episodes on YouTube. You can see video. You can see my terrible uh, hair. Uh, well, you can see my terrible everything, my cupboards. <laughs> I will be working on the production quality down the line, but you know, you have to start somewhere. If you want to do videos on YouTube, you don't go out and buy, you know, a, a $2,000 studio set with a new 1080p camera, you know, it has to grow a little bit. So I'm, I'm testing it out now, but so far I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I think it adds a lot of character. So if you have any comments, feedback about the videos, I know they're kind of ghetto right now, but you know, uh, any constructive comments as to how I can improve it without spending uh, a lot of money at the moment, then I'd love to hear it on the YouTube page, Actual Fluency, or in the comment section on the blog as well. You're very welcome to contact me there. So all the new episodes are on YouTube in video format. You can check them out there. And I'll be doing one episode a week as per usual. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that this season I'm trying to compile questions for an Ask Chris segment on YouTube and it or actually also an audio format. It's not going to be a serious, you know, language learning wisdom from a polygod. For that, I think you should go to Ollie Richards' uh, podcast, I will teach language.com, where he answers reader questions. And Ollie has learned quite a few languages to very high level, so he's much better placed at that. But if you have any questions, you know, uh, about me, if you've been listening to the program, you probably know about me. Any questions about, you know, what I'm facing, learning, uh, Russian, Hungarian, Esperanto, uh, Danish native, uh, how's it like to live in Budapest to, you know, work full time online and do this language blogging thing. Uh, you know, any question that you, you might have, you know, feel free to ask me and, and I'll compile them and, and make some kind of episode out of it. Not a podcast episode per se, but uh, just, a, you know, a, a standalone episode or video just to give people the opportunity because I get emails once in a while with people asking questions and I figured it would be nice that everyone got a chance to listen to them. So that's just about it. And uh, just two plugs here at the end, me and Brian Kwong from the Add One Challenge are doing a free presentation later in the month of November, 2015. So that's in a few f uh, weeks from now, if you're listening to this episode, just as it comes out. And why aren't you? <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so basically, what we're going to be talking about is motivation, because first of all, that's my favorite topic. If you go to the blog, you'll see I often talk about it: self-development, motivation, how to stay learning. Because actually, learning a language is not so much about the technical nitty-gritty details. You know, the vo vocabulary and the pronunciation and all the the the, small, the working parts. It's actually about 
keep going you know whatever you do just keep going and what me and Brian are going to do is we're going to explore those that topic and we're going to give a lot of tips and tricks on how you can stay motivated and it's going to be absolutely free and it's going to be on the 27th of November so mark your calendars it's going to be in the afternoon if you're in Europe and uh, you can find all the information on actualfluency.com forward slash add one so that's all that's all for me now and i hope you enjoy this interview with steve Rideout. and if you want to see the video of this go to youtube and you can see it there all right i'm joined today by the creator of reed lang it was steve and i normally butcher people's uh, last name on the show very often but if i is it a French-ish pronunciation, or how would you say it? It's not. Everyone gets oh, confused. There you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, people think it's Ridou, like French, or um, the other one I get is Ridout. But Ridout? it's actually, actually Rideout. It's Rideout. All right. Okay, good. Maybe I should just have the guests say their own names, like a roll call or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good idea. You could just like leave a gap in the introduction and insert my audio of me saying my name or something like that. <laughs> From Volvo or something. That would be funny. <laughs> All right. And uh, Steve, obviously, uh, you're the creative uh, Reed Lang. And I know some people out there probably don't know what it is. And instead of me trying to explain it, I, I, I figured, why don't you just give people, you know, uh, the elevator pitch of what, what ReadLang is? Sure. Um, well, it's a website to help people learn languages by reading texts that they're interested in. So I originally created it to help myself read whole novels. So it's ideal for that. It's got a nice, like, distraction-free reader interface, a bit like reading a Kindle, where there's... Um, you upload a text and then it'll be nicely paginated and you can click on any word or drag across any phrase to translate it to, to your first language. Uh, so you get to, um, you get the meaning really quickly. Uh, you get to understand something so it doesn't interrupt your flow of reading too much. And then later on, all those words and phrases, you can work on memorizing them with the flashcard system. Simple but efficient is uh I'd like to say. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh I, I thought it was a lot simpler than it turned out to be. When I first had the idea, it was like, ah, this is just this little tool that I'll make for myself and you know, hopefully some other people will find it interesting. And I, I thought it was a it sounded like a really simple idea. And it's turned <laughs> out like it's almost three years later now. And there's the the longer that I'm at it, it seems the more features that people want added to it and the, the more things there are to do. Right. The life of a, a developer or programmer, it's uh, easy to see the final product, but I guess the path to it is long and winded and lots of different, uh, lots of code behind it, at least uh, in any case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Well, and actually the, the product itself, it, it grows, the scope of it grows beyond what you originally intended a lot of the time. Right. And um, so obviously you have a background in uh, computer engineering. Is that what they call it these days? Or do we just say programming yeah. or? I did computer science. Right. Yeah, that's what it was called when I was uh, in school as well. But I don't know if they still call it that. Uh, I think they do. Yeah. Um, but then I, I did something after that, which was computational science and engineering, 
which kind of was um, using computer programs to simulate physical systems, like to simulate uh, mechanical structures or that, that kind of thing. Um, but but yeah, computer science is the thing. But but really, uh, computer science is a lot of um, quite theoretical stuff, like a lot of mathematics and stuff like that, which day-to-day -day programmers wouldn't really use or need. But I guess it's nice to have uh, in the back there. Right. And and you say you, you started the, the program because you wanted to learn Spanish. Can you just give us the, the backstory of, of why you came to a point where you wanted to or needed to learn Spanish and 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 what made you sort of start your own? What what was the lack of methods out there? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I guess going back a bit further, uh, I, I wasn't really into languages when I was in school. Um, like I come from, I grew up in Wales and I'm embarrassed to say I can't really speak Welsh, although I can understand a, a, a bit of it because, um, and, and I was decent at it in school, but that's not saying anything. You know, I was one of the best in the class, but it, uh, I, I actually chose then to, to do French instead because Welsh didn't seem very useful or cool or anything. Um, and, and yeah, wasn't very interested. But later on, when uh, I lived in London in a shared house with people from different parts of the world, like there were uh, some Japanese people, like French, like different people would come and go. Um, and and that got me interested. Like I started, and, and I worked with some German people as well in a company uh, in London. And so I got, kind of got a bit interested in languages then because I just thought that they were having this really cool experience of going to a different part of the world and having to to learn a whole language, you know, and, and some of them struggling with it. Um, and I just felt embarrassed that, you know, I it, everything was so easy for me because I was an English speaker and I didn't really feel I needed to, but I just thought it was a, a like a, a an experience in life that was... Uh, that, that I wanted. Um, so I did dabble with some French and German. Then I, I took an evening class in German, um, but I didn't get very far. And then what really prompted me to learn Spanish was one, uh, I went on a kind of four month trip to South America and, uh, and to Mexico. And then uh, I did a little Spanish class when I was out there. I did like two weeks and it was a slow process. Like I didn't, I was generally hanging out with English speaking people in hostels and that kind of thing. So, you know, I got, I got the basics, a little grounding, but I didn't, I, I'm not confident enough to, to with like a really tiny amount of knowledge, go out and start trying to speak to people. At, just to strike up a conversation other than maybe just ordering a drink at a bar or that kind of thing. Um, so that was the start. And then what really got me uh, keen to, to learn Spanish properly and get really fluid at it was um, my girlfriend who's I met in London and who is half Spanish and half English. And so hanging out with her friends in, in London, like a little group of Spanish friends, um, they would, quickly switch to Spanish that they, they would sort of try five minutes talking English just because I was there just to kind of uh, <laughs> not be too rude but then it just 
inevitably lapses into Spanish pretty quickly. Uh, so I was sort of trying to, to pick up things there. And, and now I actually live in Madrid. So cool. So and we can get back to how you, how you made that transition in a second. But first, I just wanted to ask you about the sort of the, if you can think back to the time when you were like, okay, I need to learn Spanish. I've got great sort of, let's say contacts or partners in crime to actually get the speaking and practice and all that kind of thing. But what, what did you see in the learning landscape that was missing or like, what were you actually looking for at the time? Because I guess ReadLang has sort of developed over time. So I guess that wasn't, you, you're not seeing ReadLang 2015, four years ago. Or yeah. did you, maybe? Uh, n not exactly as it is now, no. But what it was, was um, like the materials that I'd used previous to ReadLang were uh, Michelle Thomas to start with, which I'd also used for French and German. And I think that's a, a brilliant first step in a language. I really like that to get the feel of how the language uh, structure is and you get to learn the grammar without uh in a kind of a natural kind of way and a fun way it kind of gets you involved um and then but quickly i i just wanted to get onto native materials as soon as possible and i just that appeals to me you know the idea of being able to to read and enjoy uh texts and novels and that kind of thing so in Spanish, I was trying to read like paperback novels. Um, and I actually did get all the way through like the a translation of The Time Machine by H.G. Wells uh, with a little paper dictionary next to me um, and really not caring if I didn't understand it all because I knew my level was too low to, to expect to understand the whole thing. It would have taken me far too long, but I just wanted to kind of breeze through it and kind of extensive reading kind of approach, although I didn't know that term at the time, um, <laughs> sort of by osmosis, kind of just get the feel of the language and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then later on, I, I tried another novel, um, Intervención, I think it was called, and, and I was really struggling through it. This one, I, I wanted to understand a bit more properly. And I was doing the same approach and I just thought, this is, this is ridiculous. It's taking far too long and it's <laughs> just, it's just not enjoyable. Like by the time I figured out what this paragraph meant, I couldn't remember what the previous, previous one was about, you know, it's that kind of thing. And, and I, I had an iPad, so I just thought, right, there's gotta be some app that I can use on the iPad, some nice way to, to read this text. And I, I couldn't find something that, that worked really smoothly um like uh, there was the kindle app on there and um i'm not sure if you can now download dictionaries to translate on the kindle well, you can on the actual kindle i'm not sure about the app on the on the ipad um but i i tried that before and it was just a bit slow the process of like tapping on a word and waiting for the definition to come and it was all a bit slow so i thought i wanted a way that was really rapid um, and that also would keep a list of all the things I've translated so, so that I could go back and review. So, so that was it basically. And I knocked up th this little, um, prototype in a, in a couple of days, which just sort of had this, an extra, uh, one chapter of this novel 
and I could click on a word and they would change to the English version of the word. And I just really liked it. I just thought it was um, almost all of them uh, were correct. There was a few translations of words that don't come out correct, obviously, because it used Google Translate um, to figure them out. But e even, even with those incorrect ones in there, from the context, you can kind of tell that it's incorrect and and if if you get 95 percent of those ones that you don't understand that was kind of enough anyway so so that i just thought yeah e even in this really ultra ultra basic form it uh it was better than what i could find at the time and so that gave me the the motivation to try to make it cool and i'm, I'm hoping that a lot of people will uh you know, follow that idea. Actually, I know some, a lot of people have as well, you know, follow the, if there's something missing out there and you, you'd like to see it, you know, make it happen. You know, you don't have to learn how to program yourself. You can also just find a program and partner up with him or her. But um, uh, one idea, one idea I really loved was that you said you were able to read through a book using a paper dictionary at a mm. very low level of the language. I find that absolutely incredible because Maybe it's because I've been corrupted by the availability of every information everywhere that if I have to sit down and it takes me more than, let's say, a few minutes, maybe at most to read a page, I would just give up after two pages. I would just get so bored and I'd be like, oh, my God, where's my, you know, where's my stimulation? <laughs> so I, I find that pretty uh, incredible. And right. Yeah, just... but yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I'm not sure if I would want to do it again <laughs> but but especially when you're in the very early stage of learning a language i think you you have to get reward from very little silly things you know and so even if i could just figure out i didn't really know what was going on in a scene but i could even just figuring out where they were in a scene or who's talking to who or you, you just think oh this is really cool like this is a language that is almost incomprehensible to me and I'm somehow piecing together little bits and just finding pleasure out of those those things it gives you motivation to keep going right. I guess that that's one of the huge things about people who are successful learning a language um, I guess are good at motivating themselves and finding reward in in things like that and pleasure in in things that um, to, that keeps them going yeah, or, or finding methods that appeal to their personality or creating them indeed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, everyone's got different things that turn them on, I guess. And um, uh, there was a guy, I think you may have interviewed him, um, who talks about this gold list method. Mm -hmm, yeah. Iverson, is it, or something like that? Uh, well, the gold list is uh, David James. But, ah, okay. Um, Iverson talks about a similar a list method similar to it but it, it doesn't have a fancy name yet <laughs> right but that that kind of thing to me it just sounds deathly boring oh yeah <laughs> but but I, i'm you know it depends on your personality and if that works for you that's great but yeah uh, uh, a list based on the dictionary going <laughs> from a to z i'm pretty sure was was his method and yeah so that's definitely not something i would do <laughs> yeah yeah but so, so, so what, um, what is your favorite method? I hear you use memorize a lot. Yeah. For vocabulary, I, I find memorize and 
one of the struggles I have is is enjoying native material like you described. So what I try to do, uh, obviously right now, it's the language that I have that I'm working the most on and have some level in is Russian, where I can actually put on a sitcom on YouTube and I can understand what's going on. And, you know, I could probably explain to people what they said or what they inferred or anything but I, I i don't know individual words and phrases at least not all of them um but the problem for me is that that next level would be uh, reading and writing so that that's definitely a scary part um but yeah that's the problem because i just really don't have much time and you know learning vocabulary grammar and just having tutoring lessons so you can speak is is for me pretty easy to set up but getting into a routine of reading a lot or even watching movies or TV shows for me can also get kind of annoying because <laughs> there's just not much time. And uh, although it's fun, I mean, it's a really fun sitcom I found in, in Russian. Uh, it's just, it, it's not, it doesn't feel as fun as watching something in my own language or in English, uh, probably mm. English actually. And um, just because there's a sense of learning over it, you know, and it, it's like a, an undertone of, you're not really enjoying yourself, even though I am, and I, I totally am, and I'm, it's very beneficial. It's just like, it feels a little bit like work, even though it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Yeah. So maybe I should develop some kind of software that works in my favor, but, but <laughs> when I discovered Readlang, for instance, uh, and I'm a, a big fan, I don't use it as much as I should. I'm guilty, but uh, what I like about it is I could have it on in my Chrome, all the time and I could just open like BBC Russia or whatever have like English news in Russian and it would help me actually digest the news and it wouldn't be it wouldn't take long and because I could input whole phrases suddenly it actually started to make sense because looking up one word at a time although it could probably help you with most texts I found that usually it actually gave problems in in languages that are very different from the one you're looking up in like English and so by looking at the phrases, I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. True. Yeah, sometimes it's a balance. I guess the more advanced you get, then it's also easier to know where, where you can click on a, a word and you'll get the meaning or you just immediately know, even if you don't understand all the words, like you, you just realize that, ah, this is a phrase that goes together. This is some idiom or something. And you, you'll just translate that and... Yeah, and then and then depending on how rare it is, like most of the time it works, and then sometimes if it's a a rarer idiom or something, it that's the, that's the problem. Then that Readlang still it won't won't solve completely. Is that Google Translate uh, won't have everything? Right, and uh, it has then, weaknesses. Right, you know there are some languages that are weaker than others because less people report Google Translate. Um, sure, I don't know if you. If you've seen any of this, where some of the languages supported are less likely to be have problems, I guess the closer the languages are in in form and style, the the better they are at Google translating. I guess that just the more materials that Google have as well, because um, I don't know if it's hundred percent based on this, but um, the the way Google Translate works is that it, it gets massive amounts of texts, like huge corpuses. In all the languages that, um, like this, like one of the corpuses is the European Parliamentary Proceedings or something, uh, but then there's a lot more as well of probably more natural 
language that um, that they have in all the different languages, and then their algorithm matches them up and can figure out what bits correspond to what bits, and that's how they get their uh, they train their machine learning thing. What about the problem of uh, if I look up an individual word with Google Translate via Readlang? Uh, um, what about the problem of when a word has a lot of meanings, a lot of different meanings that are radically different? Does the Google Translate algorithm actually understand context, or will it just pick the most likely one out of the pack? It it does understand context. Yeah. So what will often happen is you you could click on one word. And you may get the wrong meaning for your context. But then if you add a few words around it, then all of a sudden it'll change um, because it's picked up the context of what's around it. And so, yeah, quite often that's important. That's pretty cool. And I guess that's a huge improvement over your dictionary pursuits where you kind of had to find out yourself which was the right word for the context. Yeah, I think the, the biggest improvement over the dictionary thing is just it's so frictionless and fast that there's no need to distract yourself looking something up in the dictionary and figuring it out. It's just, you can almost uh, carry on reading almost as fast as you were. You just click, see the translation and keep going, you know? So the idea is you, you keep in the story and keep getting the enjoyment out of the story and being motivated uh, to right. keep going like that. And, and another thing that you can do, if you don't get the right meaning, you can open up an external dictionary as well, which uh, there are preset ones, depending on the language. Um, for many of them, it's word reference. That works quite well for Spanish. Uh, for German, there's like Dictleo, mm -hmm. and that, that works quite well. And, um, and you can actually customize that yourself then. If you've got a favorite online dictionary that... Uh, it has to work in a way that in the URL, you can put the word you're searching for. Right. So, so you put the, the like URL template in there with a special keyword for where the word goes. And then, then Readlang will, will pop that in the sidebar when you, when you open it. Cool. And um, what do you think about the whole learning or sorry, the reading element of language learning next to the speaking? Because I feel like in the last, let's say, a year or so, the focus has really shifted towards uh, speaking, you know, spoken or speak from day one, or you know, get out and speak, get out and practice, uh, talk to locals. Uh, you need to learn how to speak first. And I, I understand that if you're really into reading and you that's your only goal in a language, of course you would have a different opinion. But what do you think the part of or the role of reading is in a balanced language learner strategy? Who'd like to learn the language sort of on a larger scale, not just the reading or not just the speaking, but actually comprehensively learn a language. How important do you think it is to read and, and, and learn the, or maybe even read larger works? Um, I don't know if I can answer that sort of in a general way, because it's it depends on everyone, on how much you like it. Because I think the most important thing, if you want to actually speak to people obviously the most important thing is to speak to people and right. to practice having conversations and maybe use something like i i or or one of those kind of things and or just get out there and talk to people um but can we not but, use text like uh, let's say i'm reading some kind of uh 
I don't know, some uh, Spanish, uh, maybe young adult fiction or something. That'll have a lot of dialogue in it, right? That'll have a lot of like, uh, you know, colloquial speech. It won't be 19, yeah, yeah, sorry, sure. 1830s uh, <laughs> poets. So <laughs> no, wouldn't yeah. that be I, I think the thing, the thing for me is, uh, although I think probably speaking to people is, is probably the best way, for a lot of people that comes with a lot of pressure and, and stress. Uh, especially if you're a little bit introverted, you know, you can't spend all your time going out speaking to people because <laughs> I don't know, you'll, you'll just be exhausted. <laughs> and sometimes it's nice to just sit back on, on your sofa and, and in a relaxed way, soak in some vocabulary and, and, uh, improve your skills that way. So that next time you do go out and speak to people, you'll manage a bit better, you know? So I think reading serves that role for a lot of people it's um sort of a less stressful way of of getting um fluent in a language and also uh you just get exposed to a much wider range of vocabulary generally when you read compared to speaking to people in person um I, the, there's been i think studies have shown when they analyze uh, the vocabulary that's used, there's just quite a limited range of words that people use when they speak and when they write, it's, you just get exposed to a lot more words, yeah, which exactly. actually, maybe that's an argument against going and, uh, reading very literary things when you're beginning, uh, you probably want to start with something. Um, I think generally nonfiction has a little bit more limited vocabulary if you read non-fiction stuff that's a little bit easier i find for a beginner um or children's books i suppose uh yeah non-fiction is good if you have a if you can combine some hobbies like uh, if you're really into i don't know uh painting and there's a book on painting uh, uh how to paint or how to become a better painter i know i don't know because that vocabulary would be something that you'd want to use at some point in a conversation as well You'd want to tell someone that you're into painting and then you'd need to know all the names for the um yeah see i don't know any of the names in english because i'm not a painter but you know the thing you hold and the thing you paint on and yeah whatever they're very technical names anyway the, the, brush. <laughs> the brush oh yeah yeah i got that one, I got that one. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah that's the I, I that that's the key as well is to um have a a plan personalized to you not just to focus on very generic um, language learner materials, but learn that vocabulary and read about those things that you're, you want to speak about. Um, so you'll be way more motivated and it'll be way more useful for you uh, when it comes time to, to practice. Right. And if you're really not into, you know, I don't know, 50 shades of gray or whatever, then, you know, you don't have to torture yourself through it in in Spanish or whatever, you know, it's not, that's not what it's about. It's, it's, I would say it's about making it fun as well. It's, it you learn so much better. I feel like if you're actually having fun with it and it doesn't feel like absolute torture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you were watching sitcoms uh, yeah. in Russian and uh, I, I wonder I'm not sure if you noticed on Readline, you can actually watch videos as well. 
but no um, i haven't seen that function yet ah right you should check that out because <laughs> it depends on the language I, i'm not sure about russian but i know for french and german and spanish there are quite a lot of youtube videos that people what people can do is upload the transcription of a video and then link it to a youtube video and then they can synchronize the text to the video and, oh. and you'll see a little highlight following um a, a kind of like watching a karaoke video something like that <laughs> you'll see a highlight following the word so you don't get lost you can jump around to different parts of the video and obviously the translation function works as well That's so cool. the, i know in um in spanish and german there are a series of uh videos called extra it's like a really cheesy sitcom made in the uk by channel four uh for language learners and they made the same scripts but in different languages oh really so it's a bit like uh friends but way even more cheesy oh, God. <laughs> and uh so I, if you can get past that then it's it's quite good you know it's, it's quite easy to understand and and so those are there and, and people um really like sharing songs as well so i i quite like those yeah like, I, I like I those as well yeah I, I don't know why but i like spanish is the language that i'm really focused on but the the songs in french i just r really like I, I don't know what it is but there's something <laughs> about the, the french well, language maybe and singing that really fits for me well your name sounds french i mean who knows you could be <laughs> yeah. French. <laughs> yeah maybe there's some connection there <laughs> could be um so talking about relaying as sort of a professional venture i mean obviously I suppose you and your girlfriend could have easily moved to the UK back when you had that decision. What made you decide to go to Spain? Was that based on the language or did you have any other factors playing into that? Oh, well, the main thing was that my girlfriend was doing a PhD that she'd started here in Madrid. And then she went to live in London for a while to work in London. And that's where we met. But she wanted to come back and finish her PhD. And at the same time, I was at a stage in my life where I wanted to, to leave my job and try to start my own venture. And I wasn't quite sure what it was yet, what, what it was <laughs> going to be. Um, I actually started making this little website to try to teach photography, the technical aspects of photography by simulating like a camera in the browser and you could play with the settings and stuff. And, um, but after a month or so of working on that, I just realized that this is something people are going to use for half an hour. They kind of get it and then move on. And I didn't personally need it. So Relang made much more sense. It was something that I just, I knew that I would be using myself every night. Right. So that made much more sense. And so, you're full-time so yeah, on it now. Yeah, I've been full-time on it. Um, I started in November 2012, which is pretty almost three years ago now. And I've been full-time except for last year I spent three or four months back in London doing some freelancing work uh, to kind of save up a bit more money <laughs> because Reed Lang uh, for the first, um, well, I, almost its entire life so far, it hasn't been making enough for me to live on. But in the, in the past, uh, I'd say since April, it's been making just enough uh, for me to live on and it's, it's climbing slowly. So uh, that was a huge milestone for me. That's incredible. And I, I, I really love to share these kind of stories because there are so many people out there, so many creative people who 
know things or they can do things they have talent or ability and they just if they could see more options of how to you know go out in the world i mean how cool is it that you're learning a new language and you're living in a new country and you're running your own business whereas you know four years ago you probably weren't even imagining that you would run a language website you know anything's possible and if you're into programming or if you want to learn programming you know that's a definitely one avenue that will definitely give you a lot of opportunity like translation or interpretation as well but obviously it takes a lot longer to learn a, a few languages to translate into than a programming language so so i find it really cool it's a uh, it's awesome that you can do that and and hopefully you can you know keep developing the site make more features and make it more valuable for users or get more users so that you can you know branch into other products maybe or expand your offering uh yeah sure there's um i mean I, i'm always seduced by wanting to to work on new things but uh there there is a ton to improve on readlang uh like uh, it's on the, there's been on the cards for ages to make apps for iOS and Android, and I still don't know when I'll get around to it, but some point I'm sure I'll get around to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right now I'm working on something that will allow people to kind of share, I don't know what to call them, but um, maybe reading lists or uh, that, that kind of thing. So you can create a little list of um, texts or videos or whatever, or to organize them yourself personally and then to share them with the community. Right, so text, uh, any kind of text could be novels or is it just it, a list of, it'll of be, what you're gonna read? It'll be, um, well, it'll be a list, but it'll be the actual text as well. So you'll have to upload the texts um, and it could be novels, although sharing novels publicly, then that would mean they'd have to be out of copyright texts. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a ton of, other learning materials that are out there and and a problem at the moment is just finding them you know so if somebody can do the work of curating some of that content that's on the internet and and putting them together for people to make little little courses in effect i suppose then i think that could be really cool yeah definitely and do you have any uh language missions uh coming up or in the future would you like to learn french actually or are there any other projects that you're thinking about? Uh, not seriously at the moment, but I would like, um, I would like to learn another language. And I would, well, I'd like to live in another country, and and along with that, learn another language, um, because for me, I think that's like an important part of the motivation of the whole thing is either planning to live somewhere or living somewhere. Because if not, then there are so many other things that I can do with my time that it, it feels hard to justify learning a language just for the sake of learning a language for me anyway. Um, and so I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I was trying to convince my, my girlfriend to move to Berlin because, uh, I really like Berlin, <laughs> when I went there. uh, but I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> Needs some more convincing. She's, she's from from Spain. She likes the sun and the, you know. <laughs> yeah, there isn't much sun in. <laughs> in the summer, it was it's very nice, but the winters are probably pretty brutal. Yeah, I guess you can do like part time, just stay in uh, Spain for the summer and. 
go to or the other way around, I suppose. Stay in Spain for the winter and be in Berlin for the summer. But yeah. then you have a like a mediocre summer and a mediocre winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which true. is pretty bad actually. Um no, no, escaping Madrid in the summer is definitely a good idea though. It's it's too great. In July and August, it's uh forty degrees and God. you need the siestas then. Yeah, yeah, you do. You can see why where the siestas came from for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to go back to your point on, on motivation, I, I was learning Russian in Denmark with no Russian people around me and it's very hard and I had no plans of going to Russia, which is actually interesting because that was the first question people asked me when I said, I'm learning Russian. They were like, oh, so when are you going? I'm like, what? Going where? They're like, to Russia. Uh. And I was like, no, I, I'm not going. And I could tell, like you mentioned, the 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 kind of the effect that has on motivation it's not that radically different i'd say I, I live in hungary now and yes it does motivate me to learn more but at the same time i would say it's the exact same motivational resources or the same self-discipline that i'm drawing on the only difference is that when i walk out the door i'll hear the language that i'm learning which is useful and i'll see signs that i can assimilate into meaning at some point and it will give me sort of a daily reminder every time people speak to me in Hungarian and, and I have to embarrassingly say I don't speak it or speak anything. Um, mm. So I would say the difference is there for sure. But I would also I'd also caution people that going to a country is not like an automatic uh, prescription for unlimited motivation. I, I would say it's especially Europe where everyone speaks English so well in most countries. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in Budapest, you know, the English level here is probably one of the lowest in, in Western Europe. I guess it is Eastern Europe, so that makes sense. Um, but, you know, even here, I could definitely live on English, no problem. There's a huge tourist zone and, you know, all the bars and the restaurants will obviously have some kind of foreign language skills. So you can definitely live without speaking the language, which is a bit of a problem, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, it's really easy. To fall into that expat trap and um yeah you have you still have to find the motivation within you to push yourself when you live somewhere to practice um yeah sure. the, the, the thing that happens as well when you live in another country is it's like really really easy to make friends with other expats <laughs> yeah you've got this like shared experience and you just click straight away with people that maybe you wouldn't even get on with back in your own country but you've just got that connection uh of being foreigners in another place and that's so true that's so true it's like oh you're from you're from denmark it's like yeah hey, we're best friends now and it's like i don't really share any interest with you or any opinions but sure <laughs> let's let's be friends you know it's so true um one of the things that i've been trying to do is is also go to the local events like i'm going to the german meetup for instance and there are lots of Hungarian people there. So I'm like, okay, I'll make Hungarian friends as well. So I have people who can actually, who I can actually speak the language to, which I think is important. And um, without that, it would be like being home in Denmark, I guess, because I still have to <laughs> Skype people <laughs> for, to get any practice in. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome, awesome. So if people are interested in uh, joining the uh, the uh, Readlang service, so what does it cost? We haven't covered that yet. So what's the cost of all these great features? Well, 
actually you can use almost all of it for free um what <laughs> well you can you can join up for free and you can translate an unlimited number of single words for free you can practice as many flashcards as you like for free um and then what the main restriction on the free plan is that when you translate phrases then you can do 10 of those per day for free um and then if you want to go above 10 a day to unlimited phrases you pay either five dollars a month or 48 dollars a year what a steal i think that's <laughs> too cheap steve <laughs> yeah maybe it, it, it's been slowly increasing since i started it but um but the first price was ridiculous i remember you talking about it what, what was the first price point you put up? the first price point was ten dollars a year <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious like, you know, this is my like my, my first venture like this making a website so i was just very excited to have anyone pay anything you know right to, yeah to it was just validation that oh this is something that people find valuable that even if they're getting some of it for free they're willing to pay uh yeah I just, but but yeah i guess I, I don't know at this price point that it is now um I think it feels it feels like it could work if I if I get enough people on board and mm -hmm. and there's enough of a market out there I think with people learning languages like you just look at the kind of numbers of users that sites like Duolingo have got I know that's a completely free service as well but um, but if I can just get like currently I've had forty something thousand people sign up not not paying but sign up for free and um i think it's about uh 1.7% of those end up paying right um, so if i can get that 40,000 number up uh, to <laughs> anywhere near <laughs> a fraction of what duolingo's got in there just get uh, 40,000 subscribers i mean this podcast well, yeah. is very popular so never know what happens you might get a, a surge but, uh, <laughs> but anyway no I, I mean, obviously, I don't think I, I'm always I'm probably one of the cheapest people in the world when it comes to like language learning products, because I think that there is so much available. And like you say, there's so much available for free that if I have to go out and pay something every month for a service, it needs to be an amazing service. Like something that I do pay for is something like Hungarian pod one one that has a library of thousands and thousands of files. And actually, I could just go in and download all of it and cancel my subscription. But, you know, I also kind of want to support the company making more uh, content and, you know, continuing to update and also making new languages is also fun, even though they have made a ton of them. Um, but that's why I would say, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see your service as something like $20 a, a month, but you know, the, the $10 a year was definitely <laughs> a bit too, uh, too cheap, I feel like. But, but then again, you also have the people who just support you, I guess. They're like, yeah, I love using the service. It helps me a lot. I might not even be using the premium features, but I still subscribe because I support what he's up to. And, you know, the fact that people subscribe also allow you to add new features all the time. Whereas if people didn't subscribe, you would, you know, you'd have to find a real job and then you wouldn't have time to add well, real job. That's probably, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. Trying to add the features. Um, uh, exactly. So, so yeah, I, I hope that people also see this, uh, thank you economy in, in play and, 
and that it that it grows. And I hope that for my own personal sake that I can actually get into a routine where I just use it. I mean, even just 10 minutes a day, I think reading a news article in Russian or whatever language I'm learning. I know this is what Alex Rawlings does with, uh, he's talked about ReadLang before um, uh, in his, uh, actually at the Polyglot workshops, he, he mentioned ReadLang as one of his favorite resources to to stay updated in languages because you could just go onto the news and read like, uh, you know, Russian, Greek, whatever. And um, it allowed him to do that very fast. And I, that's, that's what I hope to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was really, I was really flattered and happy when I saw that he'd uh, recommended ReadLang on, in those workshops and, and on Facebook as well. Uh, it's obviously it's really impressive uh, what, what he's achieved, uh, all the languages that he speaks. It's... Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like he's, um, he's probably also somebody who not maybe not prefers necessarily, but he definitely puts a lot of emphasis on the written word as a learning tool. So, I mean, you should probably send him a t-shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I need to get a, a design, uh, need to design a t-shirt first, but yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Well, that would be uh, a smaller problem, I suppose. <laughs> but anyway, Steve, as, uh, as it always is, time has been flying and uh, we're at the end of this episode, unfortunately. But um, before we uh, before we end here, just wanted to say uh, thank you for well, f first of all, thank you for creating Read Language. I think it's amazing, and uh, thank you for taking the time to come and share your experience with not only creating your own business in a way which is language related, which I know a lot of people are interested in, but also you know your story on on how you got into Spanish and uh, moving to Spain as an experience. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. So so thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. No, it's been really cool. Awesome. Are you going to come to Berlin next year? Uh, yeah, I think it's very likely. Yeah. It was good fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. But did I see you this year? No, I, I didn't go this year. I went year before last. I should have gone. <laughs> I should have gone. Yeah. Yeah, I met you there. I met you there last year. I remember we were talking in the bar. Yeah. Uh, the rooftop bar with 50 minute beer service. But. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was good fun. I, I think that that's one of the, the events every year that I recommend to anyone, really. I mean, you don't even need to like languages. You can just come up and have fun, actually, because people are so nice and everything is so motivational. And you, I just go after one day, I'm like, okay, I need to go into my room and study some languages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good to give you the motivation. Uh, and yeah, it's a really fun experience. And you should, and you can show the the Readlang T-shirts, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely right, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, that's obvious, right? <laughs> All right, Steve, I'm going to let you go now. But uh, thank you for coming on, and uh, you know, stay uh, stay in touch. Cool. Okay. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, see you soon. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast.